This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Today, I have an interview for you with Jane, who is a teacher and an artist and has a really lovely story to share. So I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you. And this episode will be the last of season eight. And then I'm going to take a bit of a break to just sort out some health things. But I want to remind you that you can go and still take the teacher wellbeing persona quiz. It's free. You'll put a few bits of information in at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash quiz. And it will spit out a, uh, it's, you know, I hesitate to say that it's a personality quiz because it's not really about personality, but it's one of those personality style quizzes. And it will spit out at the end some strengths and weaknesses about your approach to teacher health and wellbeing and resilience And with a couple of suggestions, things that you could think about to take on board, knowing obviously that everybody's situation is different and it's, you know, it's a free quiz on the internet, but it is a bit of fun and I've had some really great feedback from it. So that's at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash quiz and it's free and it's available now. It takes about four minutes to complete and yeah, people seem to be enjoying it. So I want to remind you about that before we wrap the season and in the meantime, Enjoy the back catalogue. There's loads and loads of episodes to go and catch up on and enjoy this beautiful interview with Jane. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. My pleasure. So let's start off. Can you tell us about your background and a little bit about your teaching history and context? So I'm... I've been teaching for 20-ish years on and off and I didn't come to teaching till a little bit later so I was about 30 when I started teaching and I also took eight years off when I had my kids. So I've been on again, off again and I initially started teaching high school and now I'm teaching in a primary school and I'm an art specialist teacher. Um, So that I don't know what you call it where you are but we call that an a knit teacher so we take the classes when the classroom teachers have their non-instructional time yep yeah so and working with receptions or foundation right up to year seven at the moment yeah nice well uh we'll dive right in do you want to share any of the health challenges or well-being challenges that you've had throughout your teaching career and obviously has been a long career with many different stages Yeah, so I guess, you know, there's not many jobs that have such an impact on physical, emotional, mental well-being and I think a lot of other professions kind of overlook that. I've had physically, it wasn't while I was teaching, but I also worked as a student learning support officer, so SSO we call that here, and I was working in a role where I had to move furniture and move display screens and all that sort of stuff 
and I hurt my back quite badly. So I ended up with a couple of bulging discs and I was in pain for, you know, a few months. And so since that time, I think that was about seven years ago, since that time I've really been very careful about how much I take on physically and I'm quite careful about delegating those heavy lifting jobs to to other people or sharing the load. So physically I've I've had that little bit of a wake up call. Emotionally, you know, it's such a roller coaster, isn't it? And I'm in that midlife phase where I'm also parenting teenagers and taking care of elderly parents and the sandwich. Yes, yes. Um and I have a quite a few friends who are in similar position. So it's up and down emotionally, but I think I manage it quite well. And as much as, you know, the key to my success is that I work part-time. I think that's the absolute key to it all because if I had to work full-time, I think it would be a lot, lot harder to balance all that stuff. How long have you been part-time? So once after I went back to work, once I had my kids, I haven't worked full-time. The most I've worked in 2018, I was in two different schools teaching two days a week in each. So I was working four days a week teaching 500 kids. And at the beginning of that year, I I was a little bit apprehensive about the impact that would have. But, But I built that capacity over that year and I really grew a lot through that year. But the first week of those Christmas holidays, I was just flat with, you know, flu and I really sort of um, collapsed with that. But Just worn out. Yeah. And I, how many teachers do we know who do that? You just grind through the year and then you get to the end and when everyone else is out partying and having fun and it's like, well, I can't go out because I'm crook. Yeah, and the immune system just holds on just to get you through. You know, human bodies are actually amazing how they do that and they know when the holiday deadline is and then it's like, okay, here you go. You you need to catch up on some rest. And, you know, like I've, I've, I haven't ever been diagnosed with anxiety but I've certainly had my anxious times and struggles with with all of that stuff but I have a few little things in my back pocket that I use when those things happen so yeah we'll we'll come back to that in a moment I was going to ask did you ever have to advocate for yourself to be part-time was there ever a a push to get you back into the you know the role full-time I know a lot of teachers don't even have the option it's not available to them and then for some there's a sort of a kind of a pressure or an expectation that it's only for a set period and then you'll get back to normal (laughs) quote-unquote I think I was lucky because I started off part-time and I've actually built up. When I first went back to work, I was working in three different schools in three different roles. So that's when I was working as an SSO and teaching uh, in two separate schools and that was quite intense as well. But the school that I'm in now, I only started one day a week. So I've actually built up to the three days a week and I think being an art specialist, I have a little bit more, not freedom, but there's not that expectation that I'm going to be full-time. And our principal's pretty good at, I've got, so at the moment I'm doing two days art and one day in the classroom for one of the teachers who wanted to go part-time. And I did the same thing last year. 
So she's pretty understanding about when people need to step back, giving them juggling things so that they can have, you know, they can go part-time. So pretty lucky there. Yeah, and well, and that is often the the argument is that, well, we'd have to find someone to do your other day a week or, you know, whatever the timetable looks like and and that's often the argument is it's just too hard or we won't look for that. We don't want to manage a timetable like that, which is, yeah, it's um it's a tricky thing. I think I think you're probably right that part time is is part of the sort of secret sauce <laughs> for you. Yeah, and you know I think you suggested that highly sensitive person book. Yeah, on Instagram the other day, and that that's me. You know I need that downtime and being an introvert, but a social introvert. I just need that space and time to myself and if I didn't get it, that is when I would be feeling pressured and, you know, unwell probably. Absolutely. So the book is The Highly Sensitive Person by Dr. Elaine Aaron and it's really it's about the fact that about 20% of the population has a more finely tuned nervous system than the other 80% and I'm, I'm one of these 20% as well and I would be willing to bet that there's a lot of listeners that are as well. So look it up hsperson.com I think is the website I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes Um, and there's a little quiz that you can do and it's just really validating for if you've ever felt like it is called highly sensitive person and it is an emotional sensitivity but it's also other things like other sensory stimuli that just seem to hit the threshold much sooner than everybody around you and feeling like you're you know more overwhelmed than Anybody else by kind of sensory things? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, and I do, I get overwhelmed by the noise and the, you, the all of that stuff, but it's a strength as well because I have that sensitivity about people's emotional worlds, but also because I'm an art teacher, I've got to have that awareness of detail and be sensitive to the artworks and the colour and, you know, all of those sorts of things that, it, it's a strength as well as something that you need to a- allow for. Yeah, it is. And as you say, understanding it so that you can allow for it when you need to. And it was it was absolutely life-changing for me and really validating. So I highly recommend it to anyone whose ears have just pricked up hearing about that and thinks, oh, maybe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you mentioned you have a few kind of tools and tricks in your back pocket to keep you going when things are getting a bit wobbly maybe. Would you share those with us? So physically, so before I became a teacher, I was quite interested in yoga and meditation and mindfulness and all that stuff. Not that I do all of that regularly now, but I have that foundation and that understanding. And since I hurt my back, I do yoga stretches and Pilates every night. And that's just like a habit and it's non-negotiable. It's like I don't feel right if I don't floss my teeth before bed. It's the same kind of feeling where I don't feel right and ready and relaxed to go to sleep unless I've done those stretches. And then when things are getting really intense, I tend to do a lot of deep breathing just before I go to sleep. So when I'm in bed, I do those timed breaths and I'll do 20 of those and I'll just fall asleep doing that. That really helps me to get deeper sleep, but also you know, I, I talk about it with my students that, um, and we've done some training in this where if you breathe deeply into your belly, that's tricking your mind into thinking you're safe and you are safe. You're in bed, you're relaxing, you're safe. So finishing the day in that way kind of sets you up for a, hopefully a better sleep and then you wake up feeling better. 
I like that you mentioned that that's like just a habit because I also do think that that's a muscle that it takes time. You know, the first little while while you're doing it, it's a it's going to be an effort um, and it's not going to feel easy or maybe it will feel like it's not making a difference, but it's actually it's a fitness or like a muscle that you have to strengthen and then eventually it gets to the point where, oh, yeah, this is really feeling good now. And I like to just remind people of that because, you know, Sometimes it can feel like, well, why isn't it working for me? I've tried it twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the repetition. And, you know, for me, the, the shame is that I had to be in intense pain and I had to be almost debilitated before I went, oh, I need to do that every day. So, yeah, I've just got into that habit. And then, you know, all the things they say, so walking and being, we live in a really beautiful natural setting, so just getting out into nature as much as possible. Um, being creative, obviously, for me, but it's not just art. Like I really love sewing and doing crafts and those sorts of things. Just um, getting into that flow where you take your mind off all the ruminations and all the other stuff and get intensely engaged in that one thing. Highly, highly recommend that. And then hanging out with friends who aren't teachers yeah what a concept (laughs) you know you know it's great to talk things through with your colleagues and all of that but then it's good to just leave that behind and hang out and have a wine and talk about books and you know whatever other stuff not just work so yeah yeah it's that feeding your soul piece isn't it and I know for so many teachers it can be really hard to feel like there's the energy or the time to fit that in, um, but it actually does give us more energy. You know, it, it actually will recharge the batteries. I mean, you might need to be a little bit strategic about, you know, maybe it's not on Friday night when the week of report cards for due. Like maybe maybe it's being a bit strategic about when you fit that in, but making sure that it is, a you know, a part of the, the regular routine because it is really good for us. Yeah. And I, ha- I sort of have seasons when in the holidays I will do a lot of sewing and things where I'm learning and having to really concentrate, whereas in term time I'm really lucky at home because I've got space set up. I'll just sit and play with watercolour and just do little online tutorial things that might take an hour or half an hour where there's no outcome and there's no need for perfection and you're not going to show anyone unless you feel like it just to just to play and it doesn't have to be a big deal because we're so used to having to meet outcomes and have goals and all of that stuff that sometimes it feels like it's not really worth it just to muck around. Yeah, that's so true. And you're right because at work we get absolutely that message that there's just creativity for its own sake anymore is not okay. It's got to be meeting outcomes and you've got to be able to show where it fits on the you know, professional standards or whatever. But also I think that our sort of Instagram culture of you've got to be able to show the end result and have a a pretty before and after or like this, you know, fantastic transformation before and after and or like if you like to make jewellery where you better start a little side hustle selling earrings on Instagram, like everything's got to be uh, documented and monetized, and, you know, it can't just be for the sake of, well, because I like doing this and I'm never going to show it to anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the other day my husband's like, oh, you're getting pretty good at saying, like, you should sell them or you should do that for people. I'm like, no, this is my hobby. This is just for me and it's totally selfish. And I think that's the other part of it too. We are just giving, giving, giving to everyone all the time 
so nice to have something that's just a selfish little thing for yourself, you know, not not for anyone else. I don't care. It's just something that I can do to care for me. Yes, and it's and it, in the long run, it is actually good for everyone else too because it recharges your batteries and allows you to continue to, you know, show up and give. It's that whole you can't pour from an empty cup thing, but I've started saying you can't. It's your cup and you can't drink from an empty cup either. And if anyone should be drinking from it, it's you. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to fill it up. You can't wait for other people to do it. Unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any other tips or tricks there that keep you going? Yeah. So creativity, friends, decent food, sleep. I'm absolutely everything I can do to sleep well. I'm a little bit obsessive about it because, you know, you go from having kids to going through the babies, the teething, and then you go back to work and you're thinking and ruminating about work and the kids that you've got there. I think I'd I've just got a really strong pre-bedtime routine with those stretches. And and I think I, I saw your little tip and I've tried it a few times of getting sunshine on the back of your eyes first thing in the morning or as early as you can and that seemed to work. It's a good one. Helps keep our body clocks in the right sink. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think those are probably my big ones. Mm, good ones. So what does self-care or well-being mean to you? I guess it's about setting yourself up to feel good and feel okay about feeling good and not not feel like it's selfish because, like you said, if you are not happy, healthy and well, then you're no good to anyone. So, and it's, and it's not just chocolate bubble baths and all that sort of stuff it's the big things it's making those structural changes like for me to work part-time I'm actually the breadwinner for our family so we really have I have to set up a really strict budget and all of those things but I know it's important to me I would rather have the time and be well than be working my guts out and you know get burnt out in a year or two's time so I think having that time where I was at, at home with my kids and we lived on one income, I think I've developed all those budget strategies. It seems like it's probably not part of it, but it's actually a really important part of it. And I, I remember, you know, that interview that you did with Gabby Stroud um, and she talked and because I'd read, I read the book yeah, and she talked about leaving and making that decision to leave but then you know being in financial stress that's something that I I couldn't you know I can't deal with because that's way more stressful than than dealing with having a stressful job I think yeah and I think it's really easy to underestimate that if you've had you know a lot of stress but also just that security of that steady paycheck for a long time, that you know, steady full-time paycheck, it's really easy to underestimate how frightening it is when that isn't happening anymore. And I'm really glad you've mentioned that, you know, this budgeting piece is part of your self-care because I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've definitely talked about it before that that idea that it's not all, it's not all the bubble baths and the manicures and whatever, like it's it's the the real deep, like sometimes the stuff you don't really want to do and you're like, if you had... If you wave a magic wand, you'd maybe prefer to be doing something else rather than, you know, like the kind of 
sensible, responsible, but not that much fun things. <laughs> but actually, those are usually the things that make the biggest difference. Yeah. And also setting up a life that you're happy to live. Like we live in a beautiful place and I've spent the last, well, how old's my son, 17. We moved here 17 years ago, setting up the home the way that, you know, you walk in and it's a haven and you just change out of your work clothes and you're just in your own space. But also making those connections and having friendship groups and and people that you can rely on. I think community is really important as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm, good ones. Well, what would you say to early career teachers coming, you know, coming into the job, whether whether they are kind of fresh out of uni, early 20s, or maybe coming to it a little bit later in life like you, Jane, what would your advice be to them to sort of set themselves up for a sustainable career and life? Yeah, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect to be a really good teacher. You know, I just, we've got a couple of quite new teachers working with us and they're beautiful and they've got huge hearts, um, but they work so hard. It's just like, mate, you can have the weekend off and you're still a great teacher because I think the key to being a really good teacher, of course, you've got to know your stuff, you've got to know your curriculum, all of that, but it's about having the heart and loving those kids and doing the best thing for them is not about being perfect. And also it's not about giving everything to the job because I think especially when you're young and, you know, you don't have those responsibilities of family and, and you know, ageing parents and all that stuff, you can throw yourself into it a bit too much. And I guess once you have children, you have to take a step back and you can't. You know, you have to work out how you can use your time more efficiently. So I guess, and I think, you know, you've said it too, you, sometimes putting in those hours makes you feel better because you are organised. Yes, but I think there's a lot of expectation that people put on themselves that they don't really need to, you know. And I've only really learnt that probably in the last five years of just letting go of that perfectionism and, I won a quite a major teaching award last year and one of the things I thought after I'd won it, it's like you don't have to be perfect to be at the top of the, this profession and part of it is also learning how to collaborate with other people and, and help each other, like help each other to get to that really successful point because there's no way you can do it on your own. You know, a lot of teachers, you're on that staff, you're together, but when you're in your classroom, it's pretty much you and maybe your SSO and it's sometimes it is feels like a bit of a solitary job but working together and, and relying on each other and and also going outside of school, like I've, I've made connections with the community outside of school. I've got friends who are writers who help me with stuff that I need for work and so I guess, again, it's coming back to that community and collaboration and stuff. I think you can't do it all by yourself and you can't be perfect. Yeah. And I think you're so right about the expectations that we put on ourselves. And it can be really hard when you're new to know where that line is and what, what is essential and what is actually, well, that's a nice to have, but it doesn't have to happen and things will still be fine if I don't do that. You know, it can be really hard to know where that line is. And so I think Hopefully, just anyone listening who is 
still figuring that out, just know that you're allowed to experiment a bit with that too and uh, and talk to your, you know, experienced colleagues and, and actually ask, hey, is this a must-do or is this a nice-to-have? <laughs> mm, yeah, and you learn. You learn over time and then you've got stuff in your toolbox that, you know, that you can rely on. And, and the other part of it too is that you can plan the most beautiful lesson but it can all go haywire when... I don't know, you know, there's a thousand ways that every single child could derail or or it's swimming and we're not doing that lesson then and it's like how flexible we have to be. So true. That's so true. Yeah. And, that, yeah, that is just one of the skills we need. And it's so much easier to be flexible and adaptable when we've had enough rest and we're not, you know, fueled on caffeine and we haven't eaten since 6 a.m. and it's 2.30 p.m. <laughs> yeah, all of that's a lot easier then. Well, thank you so much, Jane. Do you want to tell us a little bit just at the end about your teaching award? And I'll pop that podcast link as well in the in the show notes. So I was awarded the South Australian Minister's Education Minister's Arts Teaching Award for public school. Congratulations. Yeah. So, and I think the award gives you $5,000 to go travelling and and to do further learning and, you know, not that I'm going to be travelling very far but I'm hoping to get to New South Wales and do some study and, and do some workshops and stuff there. But, yeah, my proposal was based around learning, taking kids out into nature and making art in nature and so I guess that's one of the things that I use for my well-being, but I've seen the benefits of that for children. So, and that was my really strong why for applying for the award and I happened to get it. So that's pretty cool. Well done. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Jane. Thank you. Would you like to tell people where they can connect with you online? So I'm on Instagram as janemant.art and I've also got a Facebook page with the same name and I've also got a website but I haven't updated that very much lately (laughs) so that's just janemant.com.au nice we'll put all the links in the show notes thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you yeah it's been a pleasure certainly has Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher well-being and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.